Hello and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Out Loud. My name is Ria Safi. Please show some love by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode when it's posted. Today we're asking the question: Are you thriving or are you just surviving? And I have a very special guest with me. She has an interesting story. When we were speaking in the week. Um, I'm going to obviously give her the opportunity just now uh, for her to share that story for you because in the week when we caught up and she shared the story with me, I was like, "Wow!" You know that wow moment when you think this is something fascinating and you need to cover. So she's a certified financial planner and she's all set out on a mission to empower every person she meets. Welcome to Thinking Out Loud, Sungai Masindeke. Hello, Riaz. Hello to all your fans, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Now it is. Uh, it is always a pleasure. And as, as I was saying earlier, that you had this most interesting and fascinating story about how you became a financial, a certified financial planner. Tell us a bit more. So, my journey started in two thousand and. 17 when I officially embarked on this journey to becoming a certified financial planner. But in terms of what triggered my my desire to start helping and empowering people on their wealth creation journey was a personal incident I had when I was actually still at university. Mm-hmm. So I am a graduate from the University of Cape Town and being an international student what some people might not know is that um you need to pay approximately 25,000 rand they call pre-registration fees uh, mm-hmm. before you actually start your semester and i remember one time it was very difficult uh, for my parents to raise that initial sum of uh, money and i wasn't too sure was i going to get kicked out of school was i going to continue and if you've been to cape town you'll know that right um above the roads field was a panoramic view of cape town and as i was walking about up, up those stairs you know just contemplating am i going to make it for this semester am i going to get kicked out because i don't have that pre registration fee truly uncertain of my future i remember walking through the car park for smart and fuller Again, if you know about UCT, you'll know that Smart and Fuller were reserved for your elite or academically affluent individuals. And I remember, you know what, Riaz, just walking through that car park, I saw, you know, the latest C-classes, I saw the latest Audis, I saw Range Rovers, and I started thinking to myself, "Oh my goodness. I had a light bulb moment." And I said to myself, "Listen, these children whose cars are parked here, I'm not worrying about entry fees. They're having a different conversation with their parents about fuel, parking tickets, motor registration licenses, and car washes. And that triggered something in my heart to want to understand how you can change your own trajectory through prudent wealth management prudent asset management and that was the beginning of my quest to understand and empower other people on how they too can be creating wealth 
So in a nutshell, Riaz, that's how I started my journey to become a certified financial planner because now I want to make sure that people become aware of how they can manage their assets, how they can manage their money so that at any point in time, if they have children, they never have to experience what I experienced that year. But most importantly, they can actually start leaving a legacy for the next generation. They can start accumulating generational wealth um, so that the next generation never has to fear, never has to be uncertain, never has to be uh, starstruck in terms of how they're going to make it in life. Of course, the story doesn't stop there, does it? You then went on to uh, find uh, mom, Moms and Money. And uh, that was also an amazing story. I remember you had to leave your kid at home and go for a conference. And then you said, hey, hold on a minute. There might be a better way of doing this. Tell us a bit more about that. Yes, 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 yes. We are so in, uh, again, 2017. Wow, 2017 was a monumental year in my life. Um, I really wanted to attend this women's conference in August. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Uh, wanting to go to, you know, find a time of refreshing, um, to get upliftment, to go and converse and engage with um, other women on various issues, you know. And um, it being a Saturday, I had a an uncomfortable hackle with my husband on, okay, am I taking this out of me? Am I not? And to be honest, I really wanted time out. I just wanted um, to go and learn to go and um, lean in on other women, I wanted to be empowered. Mm -hmm. So that conversation was very, very uncomfortable for me, but it got me thinking, surely there must be other moms out there who want the opportunity to grow, to learn, to interact with like-minded women, but are probably finding it difficult to make that decision on their own self-development journey because they also have the additional responsibility of being a mom. So having identified this opportunity and also having identified the opportunity that approximately 50% of households in South Africa are female-led and they're led by single moms who most likely are earning between 20 and 40% lower than their male counterparts. It just was a no-brainer for me to combine events where moms come and talk about money and how they can actually build the legacy and create sustainable generational wealth. So when we actually started in 2018, we started off with physical events where we would hire minders, baby minders, child minders, would have jumping castles, would have the works for the kids so that the moms would never, ever, ever again have to face the conundrum on do they choose themselves? Do they choose their families? Now we gave them the option to enjoy both. So we started off by affording moms the opportunity to come and learn about how they can better manage their wealth, but not having to compromise on the quality of life that their children will have whilst they are away. Fascinating, fascinating stuff indeed. So yes, one woman empowering other women, and this is uh, July is, of course, Savings Month in South Africa. But today we are focusing on finances and particularly with moms, women and money and how you can better manage that. Now, according to a survey, they say that 72% of South African women are in survival mode. We asked the question when we began, remember, are you thriving or are you surviving? Now, uh, Sungai, 
Of course, uh, at the end of the day, roles have changed within society uh, back to when we, our parents or grandparents uh, were back in the day to where we are in 2021. How do women adapt financially to the changing role within society? That's a brilliant question, Rias. And I want to believe that women are still evolving. Historically, they were never accommodated um, at the table where conversations about money were, were, were happening. And you'll find that in some African countries, um, things like land are still a questionable asset that women can have. Opening a bank account in some countries, women still need to obtain um, consent from their husbands, from their brothers, from their fathers in order for them to open something as simple as a bank account. So we still have long strides to make. But the good news is, right, we're waking up. We are smelling the coffee, the seaweed, whatever <laughs> it may be. We're coming to the party. We're saying we need to take charge, Rios. We need to take authority and change this narrative, right? And it's not going to happen overnight, but mm. it will happen. As long as we keep on taking consistent steps in changing that narrative, it will become a reality. So yes, I understand the statistics are not as encouraging, but the good thing is that we are doing what we can. I always say each one feed one, each one take care of one. If I as one woman can empower another woman and she can also empower another woman, the ripple effect is phenomenal. The compounding effect is phenomenal. It just takes one person to take a stand and say, you know what? We draw the line in the sand here. We are changing the narrative. We are changing the story. We own the new narrative and we're going to do what we can in order to change it. We're going to rewrite history. That's what you say. Oh, so, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> okay. We mentioned be careful about that. Women and other women. Do you think, and, and I'm obviously picking this up a lot from what we've spoken about so far. Of course, you've come up with mum and money, mums and money, as well as your certified financial planner, um, your mum. There's so many roles that you have. Do you find that one woman will help another woman? Do, do you think that is quite something that's happening within our society? Uh, is the knowledge being shared amongst women? Yes, Ria. So before I felt um, there was a lot of pull her down syndrome, PhD. But I think as women, like I said earlier on, we've woken up to the reality that we need each other. If you look at the context of just South Africa, less than 20% of uh, the board members are female, right? Which means that for there to be additional women on those boards, those few women that are already at the table need to start being advocates for the other women that also want to, be, want to come to the table, right? So mm -hmm. women are waking up to the fact that we need each other, right? We need to help each other to move forward. So instead of it now being a pulling her down syndrome, it's now a PHU, pull her up syndrome. If I can pull up someone else in terms of their financial literacy, in terms of their financial knowledge, then why not? Because we are better together. We are better together. We are stronger together. We have more impact together. So the idea of being individualistic, of being the champions, of wanting to be the first, the only, and the last, 
is quickly transforming into a story of the past because we've now realized that we need each other. We need to pull each other up because our voice is more powerful when we are together. Our impact is more powerful when we do things together. And of course, with COVID-19, that's had a devastating effect on many people, their incomes, um, and of course, family life. And, and, and women in particular have been affected by this as well. But what is your take as to how will we get out of the situation we find ourselves in, in, in terms of um, the challenges from a financial uh, perspective? I love, I love, I love that, Rios. And one of the things I say to the women in our community is, you cannot survive on one stream of income anymore. It is an orthodox to have one stream of income anymore. So one of the things we pride ourselves as moms and money is empowering our moms so that they can actually create multiple streams of income, right? And I believe it's one of the sustainable solutions of dealing with the financial volatility as a result of COVID. So you cannot rely on your eight to five or your nine to six income anymore. You need to be asking yourself what opportunities are out there. What opportunities can I plug into? What additional streams of income, of revenue, can I tap into? And I strongly, strongly believe that the moment we change our mindset to just believing in one stream of income, to multiple streams of income, it acts as an amazing risk diversification strategy in terms of an ability to sustain one's lifestyle. So one of the key things I'll definitely advocate is having multiple streams of income. The second thing, obviously, that I would um, advocate for is mental wellness or mental well-being. You need to be in the right frame of mind for you to actually make money. And I feel mental well-being is something that's not really stressed or not really talking about openly in a lot of these communities. But first of all, diversify your income. And number two, make sure you seek appropriate attention or help in terms of mental well-being so that you have the right mind frame to continue making more for yourself and your family. Now, to be honest, that all sounds well and good if, if you say, you know, go out there and earn an additional income, do a side hustle, in other words. But as a mom, you have so many responsibilities. As a woman within society, you, you've got a home, you've got a job, you've got your kids to look after, you might be involved in some extracurricular activities, maybe learning how to paint or something of that sort. How do you find the time and how do you make the time uh, to do a side hustle, if that's what we can refer to? That? I love it, Ria. So the good thing about being a woman is you can multitask, right? <laughs> okay. Women, moms can multitask. She can be on the phone. She can be cooking dinner. She can actually have another child at her back. Like God just created us in an amazing way, right? So one of the things that we're really, really good at is being able to plan for different eventualities, to plan for different situations and circumstances. So for me, what I've learned in my own personal life is that you need to make time. And it's not about creating a balancing act because there's nothing like a balancing act. If you need to balance being a mom, 
with being able to have your eight to five, uh, to, to handle your eight to five, with being able to balance your, 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 your side hustle. It means at the end of the day, you almost want to put in uh, 33.3% here, 33.3 here, 33.3 here, and it doesn't work. But what I found is to have what I call a blended approach, where when I'm working on my side hustle, I give it the most attention I can possibly give it, which means when I'm focusing on a particular thing, I give it my best. When it's time to play with my kids, I give them my very best. When it's time to show up in my financial planning practice, I give it my very best. And it all takes proper planning and good time management, right? Um, mm -hmm. You can't build a billion-dollar business if you're not willing to put in the amount of time required to actually achieve those kind of results. And it's the same with everything. We ask if you want to create a formidable um, side hustle that ends up becoming a big, a big business, then you also need to put in the time. Um, you need to invest in the business development. You need to invest the time in the marketing. You need to invest the time in creating brand awareness. You need to invest the time in the sales, in the sales. So whatever it is, um, start by asking yourself, what is my gift? Because I feel sometimes why it seems like we don't have time for the thing is because it's something that requires more energy than what comes naturally to us. What comes naturally to you? What is your bankable gift? What is the thing that you do without thinking? And then try to build your business around those things, have systems around those things so that, again, you, you manage your time well and you grow an enterprise that can actually leave your children, um, your dependents with uh, generational wealth. No. The million dollar question, I guess. So we can say the million rand question. What are some practical <laughs> what are some practical side hustles women can get involved in within the South African context? So if you women sitting there at home and thinking, you know what, there's really nothing I can think of, what are some practical things um, that or practical side hustles that you come across and you say, hey, maybe try this in my work thing? Great question, Rias. So there are at least seven streams of income that you ought to aspire for if you want to become a millionaire. So the average millionaire has approximately seven streams of income. And for a person who comes to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't have capital. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. I'm like, honey, relax, breathe. Because in your <laughs> house right now, there is something you can sell a dress you haven't worn for the last 12 months. I mean, we're all working from home nowadays. There's a dress you can put up online. There is a pair of shoes you haven't worn in the last 14 months. There is a handbag that you haven't used for probably 18 months. Start right there. These are things we have sitting in our cupboards, Riaz, that we haven't utilized or utilized to their fullest potential. And we can start by earning resale income. All right? reselling income or income earned from reselling items and that's the easiest place to start for anyone who tells me i don't have capital i don't have anything you do you just need to open your eyes open your mind open your senses there are extra plates in your house you don't need extra cups you don't need extra clothes extra shoes extra handbags that you can start selling a second-hand item so that's always a great starting place then another thing I love, 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 love is um, earning rental income. And when people think rental income, we ask, 
they start thinking, oh, it's so expensive for me to buy a house. Uh, how do I raise enough capital to have a house so that I can actually start renting out that property and earn rental income? But guess what, Rios? People can actually make rental income from other assets other than houses, right? Now, coming back to that thing of what do you have right now in your home, right? You can start a business where you rent out things like heavy-duty pots. You can start a business where you rent out things like breast pumps. You can start a business where you rent out, um, where you rent out things like uh, 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 beautiful, gorgeous dresses for evening events, all right? And like, like I said, for me, it's not a lack of resources. It's a lack of creativity that people suffer from. Otherwise, a lot of the solutions are right, staring right at us. They are right there. For another person, you know, um, they can start renting out um, something as simple as uh, 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 furniture, right? You can rent out furniture that you hardly use. So start by asking yourself, what do I have that I can turn into a cash cow? What do I have right now in my house that I can start renting out to someone who needs it but probably doesn't want to invest in that particular asset? I'll tell you a simple example. In my house, I have kids, but we've never really used our court bed. So what I've done is for those individuals that come in and want to stay in an Airbnb or that want to stay in a uh, short to medium term, uh, uh, a short to medium term uh, home, but they need the facility of a court bed, I now rent out my court bed. This is something that my daughter's used. I don't have any use for it. It's sitting in my house gathering dust, but I found a way to generate rental income from that. So again, Riyadh, what do you have and how will you spin it to create income for yourself? Mm, thinking out of the box indeed. Not thinking out, oh, loud, yes. thinking out of the box. Yes. <laughs> Yes, Rias, you got it. In terms of women in general and their spending habits, um, oh. I don't want to generalize, but I find that women, from my observation, are more emotional spenders. Is, is that right? Woo, Rias. <laughs> All those handbags. <laughs> As a guy, I'd like buying the latest technology, be it the phone or you know, buying all that stuff. So guys also have their bad habits. So I guess like if you were to look at it from a women's perspective, would you say that women are emotional buyers or spenders? So we are very um, emotional uh, buyers, right? So we, are, we, we, we love to spend. But what I've found is sometimes because we've got limited resources that we need to spread amongst those we love, we are emotional spenders, especially when it comes to the people that we love. Not always for ourselves and i'll tell you um or give myself as an example where if i see uh an item for my daughters and it costs 300 rand 400 500 rand i'm not going to think twice about it i'm just like okay it's for my kids but to spend the same amount on myself i'll do back calculations back flips in my mind i will antagonize the purchase until i grow blue before i end up buying it right? So we are emotional in that when it comes to the people that we love, we are usually um, very giving. But when it comes to ourselves, we start putting breaks, 
we've got spreadsheets in place, we've got checks and balances. So I find that I'm a very emotional spender when, it's, when it comes to my kids. I, I, I tend to be more um, sporadic, more spontaneous when it's for my kids. But when it's for myself, um, I am quite strict with myself. So I think it depends on the person. And I, I do know that there are some women who will spend because they feel they need to spoil themselves or they need to reward themselves for all the hard work that I do. So it's going to be different strokes for different folks. Interesting take indeed from your side on that there, because I guess, yes, sometimes we spend a lot more on those that we love and we don't do it for ourselves. I guess that's just a general human thing as well. It doesn't have any gender base, but I guess, yes, uh, you, you're right with that. Is there any client um, that you've dealt with and you found their story to be inspirational? I mean, July, like we said, is a savings month. That as a certified financial planner or even via moms and money, someone that you've dealt with and a story that stuck with you and you'd like to share it with us to say, hey, guys, this is inspirational. Oh, yes, Riaz. There's nothing as rewarding as a good story, especially in my line of business, um, given what I want to do and achieve in life. So my goal is to have empowered a million moms by 2025. And I have one mom specifically who came to me around 2017. She was knee deep in debt. Like I promise you, Riaz, the, the debt was coming out of her nose, her eyes, her ears, every opening. <laughs> she had debt above her head, literally. And um, when we started, one of the key things I realized earlier on was I had to help her realize the possibility. She had a good, stable job. She had decent income by South African standards. And what she didn't realize was how wasteful she was being. So I always say to clients, you know, sit down and have an honest conversation with yourself. Sometimes it's not necessarily that you're not getting paid enough. It's just that you're not using your resources as honestly and as best you could to get the most rewarding outcome from the money that you get. It's not really a lack of income, but it's a lack of planning. It's a lack of sacrifice. It's a lack of uh, discipline in some instances. So one of the things we did with that particular client was we sat down and we did a money management exercise where we said, how much money comes in every single month? Uh, how much are you spending? Where can you cut back on? Because to get out of debt, you need to start learning the discipline of sacrifice. You need to start learning the, uh, the, the discipline of deferred gratification. Because when you take on debt normally, it's because you see something now, you want to buy it now, you're not willing to wait and save. So we had to help her change her mentality, change her mindset, and account, start accounting for the way that she used her money. So every month would have a call just before she got her income, would sit down and say, okay, what are some of the expenses you anticipate? What incomes are you anticipating? How do we allocate those funds for the different expenses you're going to incur? And guess what, Riaz, with determination, consistency, and dedication within 18 months, she became debt-free. And wow. the most 
amazing part about that story is with the same amount of money she had been using the last 18 months to pay off debt, she actually applied for a secondary property which became an, her investment property. And now she is earning a rental income, this time from property. Um, and she is on a roll to creating sustainable generational wealth. And if she could do it, she's a single mom, anyone can do it. It's just about taking responsibility, becoming disciplined about how you manage your money, and you'll be amazed what magic you can deliver for yourself. Okay, so absolutely fascinating. Uh, Sungai, I must be honest with you, uh, as a certified financial planner, you're giving us some really fantastic uh, advice that people, uh, if they implement it, they certainly can be very, very successful, I believe. Um, but I'd like to touch a little bit on Mums and Money. Tell us a bit more about that project. Uh, I know you're most passionate about this. And uh, if you could just share with us uh, uh, a couple of um, highlights for you and, and what people can expect from Mums and Money. Excellent, Ria. So Moms and Money is really a women empowerment initiative. And our goal is to empower moms to create multiple streams of income with the hope that they can leave sustainable generational wealth. Mm -hmm. Our goal, our vision is to empower a million moms by 2025. And we are well, well, well um, into achieving that milestone. So with Anyone who wants to uh, become a part of our community, we offer free uh, tips, free resources, either on our website, on Facebook, on Instagram. And if you want to learn more, grow more, we have online slash virtual events that we have quite often. Uh, Women's Month being a significant month for us in terms of the uh, quality and quantity of uh, free virtual events that we have. We also have an academy where we have several courses that we've put up where, again, moms, if they want to learn about investments, if they want to learn about creating multiple streams of income, those resources are available. And as always, if you feel you want a personal touch, you feel you want a personalized consultation, we do have one-on-one -on -one wealth coaching available. So we've tried to create a diverse array of offerings in order to meet our clients at uh, different needs, different availabilities, and obviously different budgets. Um, so we are going headstrong. We are not looking back. We want to empower a million moms by 2025, and we believe nothing will stop us, Riyadh. Oh, and, and, and I wish you all the luck because you definitely are a go-getter, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to get there sooner rather than later. Share with us the th your three best steps uh, for people to become financially free or attain financial freedom. That's a word that's been thrown around a lot. It means different things to different people, I guess. Financial freedom to some people could mean paying off your home, not being dead, going on holidays, uh, not working, working four hours a week. There's so many things about financial freedom. What would your three tips be to some people that would like to achieve that financial freedom? Lovely question, Riyadh. 
So for us, financial freedom means having the option to generate an income by trading your time for money, right? So if you have the option to decide, do I want to trade my time for money? Then you are technically financially free. So what does this mean for a layman? I don't have to go on an eight to five. I can choose to work for four hours if I want to because I've now accumulated enough resources, enough assets that generate a passive income that allows me to maintain my lifestyle without necessarily exchanging my time for money. So that's our definition of financial freedom within our community. Now, what are some of the things that people can do in order for them to become financially free? The first one, guys, which is probably mind-boggling because of the statistics in South Africa is live below your means. As simple as it sounds, it actually never happens like that. We are, I promise you. Uh, South Africa is probably one of the worst um, income to debt ratios and the highest uh, 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 debt accumulation ratios in the world. So the first thing you want to train yourself if you want financial independence is to live below your means. If you earn 50,000 rand, do not spend 54,000, right? Spend mm. 20,000. Spend 30,000 because when you spend less than you earn, it gives you the capacity to start building up a nest egg that will give you the option of financial freedom in the future. So the first thing is always, always, always live below your means. The second tip would be get out of debt. If you're currently inundated with debt from credit cards, personal loans, revolving loans, every and any other type of debt under the sun, except probably your home loan, you want to get rid of it. And if you want uh, practical ways on how you can actually settle that debt, I wrote a, 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 an amazing blog article that's on our website that you can access for free on the techniques you can actually use to get rid of debt. Debt is an enemy of financial freedom. It is an enemy of wealth creation. And I say to people, you cannot be in bed debt and at the same time try to create wealth. The two are mutually exclusive. You either stay in debt, which we never advocate for, or get out of debt and then kickstart your journey to wealth creation. So that would be my second tip. Make sure that you get rid of all the bad debt, all the consumptive debt, and get cracking on your wealth creation journey. Then the third tip is obviously create multiple streams of income. To have the capacity to start putting aside a meaningful nest egg, you cannot rely on one stream of income. You need to diversify. And even if one stream of income is not doing exceptionally well at a particular point in time, guess what? If you're in the millionaire mindset and you've got seven streams, if one is not working well, you've got six other streams, honey which is fabulous because <laughs> then it means you can still continue on your wealth creation journey without compromising the perceived results in the long run. So tip number one is always live below your means. Tip number two, get rid of all that bad toxic debt. And tip number three, get multiple streams of income so that you start earning income in the future without trading your time. Thank you so much, Sangai Masandeke. It was such a pleasure chatting to you right here on Thinking Out Loud. Um, 
Before you go, perhaps you could share with us your social media handles for people to follow you on. Sure. So you can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is momsandmoney underscore. So it's M-O-M-S-A-N-D-M-O-N-E-Y underscore moms and money underscore on facebook it's moms and money um and we do have a website www.momsandmoney.org feel free to email us on info at momsandmoney.org if you've got a burning question or dm us on instagram would love to connect with you and help you in your journey to create wealth and leave a legacy thank you so much for that most inspirational uh, session you're right here with us uh, uh, in the month of July of course it being savings month so there you go something to empower yourself with uh, and uh, thank you once again to Sungai Masandeke a certified financial planner thank you Sungai thank you Rios thank you so much for listening and if you've enjoyed this episode please share with family and friends till the next episode bye for now bye